Hello, everybody. We are back. This is episode 10 of the Josh Thoughts official sports podcast. And today we are going to be going into an NFL topic that's really hot lately. And that topic is basically this singular question of, is Mac Jones playing better this year than Tom Brady did in his first year? And this is a really interesting question because I think, you know, I think to truly understand this question, you need to understand how sports changes through time. And the crazy part, too, is when you look at how much of a different era it was when Tom Brady entered the league. I mean, we all know it's it's that's the funny thing about Tom is everybody now he's been around for so long. He has been around the entire time. Most um, younger individuals, you know, like myself, individuals from 20 to 30 years old, your whole football fan career, you've had Tom Brady in the league. You know, and I think it it it's hard to imagine the, what the landscape of the NFL was like when Tom Brady started being quarterback because it's so different. The game is different. It was a more defensive game. It was less of a passing game. But at the same time as that, there was less players in the league. There was less talent in the league in terms of depth of talent. Um, and this is a phenomenon. It really goes across all sports. And and what do I mean by that? Well, basically, as time goes on, there's several different factors that basically creates a situation where athletes today are better and stronger, faster, more athletic, and smarter than they've ever been. And maybe not at the top levels, there's certain cases where there's individuals from the past who maybe would be able to still continue that level at certain times in the future, but it doesn't really last forever. And when you look at it, you know, you have to acknowledge that nowadays there's a lot of things different. A lot of things have been increased and built upon. And basically part of it has to do with the population. Basically as the population of America gets larger in American sports, there's more individuals to choose from. There's more people playing these sports. In addition to that, the structural supports around these sports, which have created all this money, have become a lot stronger. You know, people say with football, there's seven-on-seven camps everywhere. So quarterbacks coming into the league now have thrown more, you know, on average than all the quarterbacks before them who weren't throwing with this kind of style of open offenses in high school and previously especially when the league was more centered around running and when throwing wasn't as much of an emphasis. You didn't really have people getting these amount of thousands and thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of throws before they even get to the college level. That just wasn't a thing. So, you know, with less practice, with less intensity on it, you know, you're not going to get as good of a result as when you put a bunch of people into this system with all of these, you know, proponents. And it's not necessarily about the top guys. It's about the guys who are down the line. And I remember one of the earlier videos I did, I talked about how many great quarterbacks there are in the league. And that just wasn't the case in the past. Like a lot of teams had to make do with quarterbacks that they thought were okay. Whereas today we're reaching a boiling point in the NFL where you're running out of starters. 
I mean, you have a quarterback like Cam Newton who literally was on the bench until Carolina decided they didn't want to go forward with Sam Darnold anymore. I mean, before that, the dude couldn't get back into the league, and he wanted to. You know, there's only a couple places in the NFL right now that have a true quarterback issue. You know, you could say the Jets are in that category, but Zach Wilson's still coming along. He's young and definitely shouldn't give up on him already, you know. The team is the team is rough. There's new coaching staff. You know, to give up on a rookie because of with all that surrounding it, I think would be silly. But you know, like you look at the Seahawks, they were you know they were working with Geno Smith, but now they got Russell Wilson back. Like he's their guy. You know, you have Miami. I mean, think about this. Miami is thinking about you know trying to move off Tua because they can get a Deshaun Watson. I mean, Tua is still a great young prospect. Like in a, in a, in a league of five, 10 years ago, he would be given multiple years without a doubt, you know, especially given where he was drafted, you know, and the other thing too, I think you can look at is the quarterbacks coming out are just better and better. Like, I think there was a kind of a flipping point, you know, you had that Jared Goff draft where he was, you know, okay, but got drafted way too high. But then, you know, in the years following that, we've had a lot of great quarterbacks coming out. I mean, you have the class with, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson came out, and, you know, Baker's in that class too. You know, he, you know, even if Baker doesn't become a high-level starter, I still think he could be a great backup if he can get into that role. I don't know if he can get into that mentally or not, but, but he's an excellent – he's one of those, you know – he has that kind of, you know, he's like a Gardner Minshew plus where Gardner Minshew, I look at as a great backup because he's the type of guy who can make some plays. He has a spark and energy about him, you know, and, and he's not elite, you know, we all know that, but having a guy like that as a backup, that is a great, you know, advantage you can give to a team. Um, and it's just one of those situations to get back to the athletics part about it and how quarterbacks are just getting a lot better. And this, and this is true for all sports. It's really about the depth of it. It's the numbers of people are greater. So you're thinning the top athletes from a much larger group. The training and the preparation is better than ever in a lot of ways. And yeah, sometimes things are missed and it's not, I'm not saying that everyone is training better now than they were in the past. It's just, there's more better training now than there was in the past. In the past, there was more, you know, superfluous or worse training styles, things that might actually hurt you rather than help you. And as time goes by, you know, the industry of the NFL, the coaches, the coaching, as it continues in this direction, it just becomes more and more precise, more and more detailed and better and better. You know, and yeah, I mean, really, when you get down to it, today's athletes perform at a higher level than older athletes. But to me, I think you need to not, you know, in my opinion, you have to you know, acknowledging that this is the case and that we understand, you know, new, more athletic, you know, bigger, faster players are always going to be, you know, joining into these leagues, basically as they keep going forever. 
because even if you, even if the athleticism, even if the athleticism in the training wasn't better than it was in the past, there's more people to pick from. So you have a bigger amount of cream rising to the top that then can be put into the NFL. Not to mention with the NFL, you have all the best players from the older generations who are still hanging on and making an impact. So it creates this amalgamation of incredible talent. Um, but I think it's important also to recognize that people need to be compared to other people during their time. I don't think it's fair to compare people who are playing a sport at a completely different time in history. You know, a great example of this is, um, you know, Bill Russell. I Bill Russell does not get the credit he deserves for winning 11 NBA championships. And a lot of it has to do with the style of game and the time of the game. At the time when he played, there wasn't as many teams, there wasn't as many great athletes, and there wasn't as much, you know, there wasn't as much pressure and attention around the game of basketball. Um, from the from the money aspect to the coaching aspect to the recruitment to the training to the infrastructure to get players to the league and all the way down the line. Um, and he gets knocked for that a lot because when you watch those old highlights, it doesn't wow you. It looks a lot less athletic. And to be completely fair, it was, you know, at the time, you know, you, you look back in time, there was a time in history in America where, you know, men were about you know, averaging, you know, five foot tall, basically, at a certain point, you know, people, Americans, and humans in general, have kind of been getting taller, you know, and this is just part of, you know, the land, the landscape of how time has been changing, or how humans have been changing through time. You know, the, the height of an American male, the average height has increased, and there's more tall you know, Americans now than there ever was before. You know, when you look back in some of these older film of basketball, it's not it's not visually impressive, and you kind of think, well, this isn't really like that close to what the game is now, and that's true. But this is also true even if you look back to the time of Jordan. Like you can watch those games and you compare that to a modern NBA game. Those guys are still great. They were talented. They were top of their game. They were top of the world at the time. But that doesn't mean they're the same amount of athleticism and strength that the modern athletes have. It does not mean that. It does not mean that the average level of player hasn't increased in the NBA, which I believe it has since Jordan's time and even more since Bill Russell's time. But I don't think it's fair to compare people to times outside of their era, you know, because in a way, you know, you can only do as well as with what you've been given. Like, like, how can you go to a player like Bill Russell and tell him, you know, you're not the greatest NBA player. You're not, you know, or I don't think you're great, or, or I don't have you in my top five or whatever. I mean, when he played, he won 11 championships during his time. I mean, how much better can the guy do? I mean, he can't do much else than that. You know, there was no other opponent for him to beat. There was no other better team in the world. You know, like, what what can the man do to show to you? I mean, it's the same thing as Jordan. It's like if I said, well, Jordan's six rings aren't good because, you know, the league wasn't as strong as it is now. You know, the people around him, yeah, you know, they were strong, they were tough, but it's just, it's not the same as, you know, the modern NBA. And, 
I am a little bit brushing over the fact that the NBA has become a bit more finesse in the past years in terms of how foul calls have been awarded, you know, but again, that is a reflection of how the game is being called, not a reflection on the players. I do believe the players would be able to play tough and maybe certain players in the NBA wouldn't find success, but I think there are other modern players that haven't been able to get in the NBA because they maybe they have this tough man skill set, but that's just not good enough in the NBA right now because it's more of a finesse league or whatever. So I think, you know, either way you want to go, even if you want to say, you know, these players couldn't handle the way they played back then. Well, other modern day athletes could handle that and would be in the league still being able to handle that at a really high level, you know, and on average that level would be higher than the level in the, you know, at the older time period, you know, and this is why athletic world records get broken too. Not that I need to add more evidence to this. I know some of you guys might not believe me that athletes are consistently getting better and better through time. They just are. I don't know. You know, I laid out the case. I, I can't, you know, go over it a million times again and again, but track and field athletes are still breaking world records to this day for the same reason more athletes, better training, more bites of the apple. You know, I'm always a person, this might sound crazy, but I've always said the best player of every sport, you know, ever, probably never played that sport. You know, they probably never even went into it. Honestly, if you think about, if we're talking about football, if you had everybody since there was a kid, since they were a kid trying to play football, trying to find a niche in football, I believe we would have found players even more transcendent than the best players of the game today. Not saying that that's a guarantee or not saying you maybe the best player ever or whatever hasn't, you know, didn't play that sport, but, but there would be greats of the game um, that would have been able to be great, but because of life or whatever, you know, they were taken, their life took them in a different path. You know, they decided they didn't want to be involved in whatever sport, you know, we're talking about, and that depletes the talent pool for those sports, the overall talent. Hello, we are back. Sorry for that little cutoff that happened right there. Just received a phone call, but, you know, jumping back into the episode, um, I was just making the point about how the talent pool of every sport is depleted because not everybody can try to play that sport. You know, and that creates, you know, that creates an interesting situation where as different sports receive different amounts of popularity, they receive different amounts of athletes, you know, you can also think about how, you know, different athletes might be able to play different sports and maybe some of the greatest athletes in certain sports would have been even better in other sports. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to imagine that to be the case, but it's undoubtedly true in certain instances. And people's learning curves are different. Like a lot of the certain greats of the games and different sports don't become that until after years and years of, you know, practicing and working at those certain activities. Um, but to basically to go into the whole Tom Brady, Mac Jones situation and kind of give my take on it is I guess, uh, I'll put it this way. Is Mac Jones, his play, his quarterback, pure quarterback play on the football field this year, his first year, better than 
Brady's first year, if you compare them in a vacuum and just say Tom Brady first year, Mac Jones first year, how they're playing, I do think Mac's performance has been better. But I think what gets lost in that simple interpretation of just looking, let's pretend it was the the same year these two guys are playing quarterback in the same league and, you know, they're doing this level of well. But I think we need to take into account a couple of things. One, Mac Jones is doing, you know, really well now. But you also have to compare, you know, if you really want to – think about how well is Mac doing, you know, as a rookie, we compare him to the other rookies at the time. And I think with Tom Brady, you have to do a similar thing where it's not the question of is Tom Brady in 2001 better than Mac Jones in 2021. To me, the question is, is what Mac Jones is doing right now in this climate of the game more overall impressive within the context of the modern game versus what Brady did in 2001 within the context of 2001 NFL football. And that's where I think it's really tough to say because, and this is really the reason why, you know, I think as a player, as a playing style, they're very similar. Like Mac Jones, this is the modern equivalent of what Brady was doing at the time dink and dunk, be safe, protect the ball, let your defense do the work. They're both doing basically the same thing. Now, Mac Jones' numbers are going to look better now because not only has the NFL opened up, he has more receivers, the Patriots have a more advanced passing offense, all of this other stuff, whereas in 2001, that wasn't really the case. It was, you know, obviously running the ball was really important and the passing game was there, but the league wasn't so pass-centric. There were a lot of passes you couldn't throw into defenses because they would kill your receiver, do this, do that, and there wasn't going to be a penalty flag. And I think at the same time, like, when you look at Tom Brady in 2001, like, his performance aside, there's a certain amount of steel and a certain amount of guts it takes to go to a really important game, to go into the playoffs, to play in the Super Bowl, and and be able to prevail and be able to not crack and be able to hold everything together and play a part and maybe not, you know, force everything, but to just be able to withstand that pressure and make it through that crucible is extremely impressive. And Mac Jones, I'm not saying he can't do that, but we haven't seen that. So it's hard to say, you know, Mac Jones necessarily, you know, I like to say this, there's, there's only a certain number of quarterbacks in the league that can win a Super Bowl. And you don't have to be a great, great quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but you have to be good enough. And that's the trick. There's certain quarterbacks that you can never win a Super Bowl with because they do not have the steel. They don't have the right decision-making. When it gets to a certain point, they're going to make a mistake, whether it's a leadership mistake, whether it's a football mistake, whether it's a preparation mistake or something like that. There's a certain amount of credit I attribute to people who make it deep into the playoffs and who can win Super Bowls just because you know there's a certain amount of things going on behind the scenes that's good, both inside them and as a reflection of their work. You know, and this goes for every, you know, Super Bowl victor. Even the most defensively dominating teams, 
you still need a guy who's good enough to win a Super Bowl. You can't just have like a bad quarterback and win a Super Bowl. You know, and I think that's true. There's not a lot of teams that win Super Bowls who have bad players at certain positions, just like awful. You know, most teams, they have their standout stuff, but the, the whole team is basically solid to a degree. Um, and so Brady proved that in his, you know, his beginning years as a Patriot. And that's something that I don't think Mac Jones has quite reached that level yet. When I look at what they're doing, like you can look at the numbers and Mac Jones numbers for this year are going to look way better than Brady's early numbers, you know, but the leagues were different. And to me, when you're putting it all into context at the end of the day, I still would give the nod to Brady over Mac Jones as a first year performance to this point. Now, if we get into the playoffs and Mac plays really well, you know, then then maybe this gets reevaluated. Then maybe I view them on the on the same level. Or maybe Mac can even go above and beyond. If if Mac can single handedly take games where the Patriots defense is struggling and he can throw the ball around, spray it around to everybody and make great plays and get wins that way, he might start to be outperforming Brady in his early years. Brady could do that at many points in his career. But the early years wasn't part of that for Brady. It wasn't about him winning games on his arm. It was about him not losing games. It was about him not not making mistakes. It was about him, you know, fitting into the team, which is exactly what Mac Jones is doing, just the modern equivalent of it. So I think if you were going to ask me, is Mac Jones playing better this year than Tom Brady did in his first year as a Patriot? You know, so far, I would say um, the, the answer is to be determined. If you made me say right now, I would say no. Because I think those things Brady brought to the table in terms of being able to go into the playoffs and being fearless and being able to get it done, that's something we haven't yet seen from Mac Jones on the level of the National Football League. And so I can't give him the nod, even though his passing numbers are better in this and that. It's just he has more weapons. You know, the whole team is different. The whole league is different. Um, And it's sometimes hard to remember and imagine how different it was when Tom Brady was starting out. Um, And this is just uh, one of those situations where if you just look at the numbers, it looks like, you know, the newer is better and Mac has just been better. And, you know, I think in passing numbers terms, you're right. And I think Mac as a polished passer is more far along now than Brady was when he came into the league. But again, a lot of that happens and is kind of flowing through this concept of as the game gets older, as it progresses, and now quarterbacks are coming into the league with all these other skills. You know, like I talked about the seven-on-seven, seven, all this kind of stuff. You know, just to explain for anyone that doesn't know what seven-on-seven seven camp is, it's you have your center, your quarterback, and your five skill position players. So four receivers, one back, or five receivers, or whatever it is. And you play football that's pure passing scheme football against a defense that's basically all secondary. So it's, it's kind of like pass scheme football only. 
basically, with without the offensive and defensive lines to kind of increase the numbers, which can confuse a lot of things. Defenses can borrow, you know, they can put four on the line, then you have an extra guy out, you know, and do all kinds of things with that. But these seven-on-seven camps help these kids with coverages and kind of like secondary type things passing. So just in case anyone didn't know what seven-on-seven football camp is, that's what it is. It's kind of camp for quarterbacks to get become better passers. It's all about the passing game. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I think Mac is off to a great start. Um, I wouldn't quite put this performance above what Brady was bringing to the table yet, although I think, you know, he's close. He's right there. You know, and again, it's kind of just to touch on another parallel people talk about with Mac and Brady because it, it is different. You know, Mac was passed up in a, in a certain sense. You know, he probably should have been picked by the 49ers. Then he falls past the Bears, who got Justin Fields, who looks really good. Um, Trey Lance, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I definitely think the 49ers muffed that one completely. Caved to pressure because they didn't want, you know, they didn't want the unathletic white guy as the quarterback, even though, you know, he's excellent and he is the most ready to go QB this year in terms of rookies. Um, but yeah, I'm not complaining. You know, he dropped down to the paths, but you know, he was picked 15th overall. Maybe he should have been third overall. So he fell from top first round pick to middle of the first round pick. And I do think it's substantial in terms of how well he did in college, in terms of putting up basically the one of the best statistical seasons ever, if not the best statistical season, season ever at Alabama. You can say he had great receivers, but he's going up against SEC defenses. So it's really, I, I think that kind of cancels out too. You know, a lot of college QBs have great receivers. It doesn't mean they take advantage of those receivers' talents, you know. Um, but it's it's a bit different with Brady because with Brady, you're looking at a guy who was not statistically dominant, was very much like, – like Mac Jones was overlooked in a sense of everyone knew about him, but within knowing about him, certain key things about him were overlooked, a la – everything Chris Sims said leading up to the draft with with the fact of Mac Jones, he doesn't have any physical properties that are an elite. What's elite about him is his mind at this level. His mind and decision-making is already elite. Playing in a pro-style offense and making great decisions, Sims foresaw him being able to come in the league and use his brain and make good decisions on where to put the football, which is probably, you know, you need a certain level of physical traits to be a quarterback in the league. But once you have, once you're at that level, what's going to differentiate you is that mental aspect being able to, you know, have a deep understanding of plays, have a deep understanding of coverages and how you want to make the decision, deep understanding of your own receivers um, and sort of be able to feel out the game that way. You know, Brady coming into the league, he had done impressive things. He had beaten Alabama in overtime at Michigan. You know, he had played in, you know, big games. And it was a tough situation because I think the thing with him was his college team was trying to start another guy over him. 
So in, in certain ways that might, you might look at that as a bad sign because, you know, what team is going to be starting, you know, the wrong quarterback, basically, what college team is going to start a guy, you know, who's going to not start a guy who continuously over and over showed that he was the guy that could lead them to wins and victories over, you know, Drew Henson, who was starting over Brady at the time. But that's the thing. Not all college programs are run well or run perfectly. You know, they have this idea that they want to, you know, again, it's the modern dichotomy of the NFL. Drew Henson was a guy who could run great. He could throw it, you know, wicked hard and fast and all this stuff. But but he wasn't better than Brady where it counted in terms of decision-making, leadership, and just the overall understanding of how to win football games. You know, so at the end of the day, Brady – you know, him being overlooked is a whole different category than Mac being overlooked. Brady, Mac was a proven commodity who was overlooked because of basically things other quarterbacks had done before him. You know, the Jared Goffs, the Josh Rosens of the world had been such a disappointment recently. And with all these advanced athletic options also being the best throwers coming out, you know, the people just lost taste for the type of quarterback that Mac Jones is. You know, San Francisco 49. I mean, a lot of San Francisco fans, and of all the research I did, they seemed like they did not want Mac. And at the end of the day, I do think it's surprising to take Trey Lance over Justin Fields when Justin Fields is just a far more proven commodity. I mean, Trey Lance didn't play the whole year before the draft due to COVID. And then the, the, the sample size of the games he had played was so small. It, it's um, not that it's not that it's fraudulent, but it's just, it's not a big enough sample size. It's not enough football being played, you know, for, for me, for my liking. Whereas you have a guy like Justin Fields who, you know, was under a lot more pressure, you know, and, and did have you know, some, some mistakes, some bad moments that Trey Lance didn't have but he was also exposed to a lot more, you know, but you have Mac being overlooked because of traditional characteristics that in the past would have been viewed as good, but now have been viewed unfavorably, but he slipped from pick, you know, three to pick 15. And that's, that's his slide, you know, 12 spaces in the first round. Brady was pick number 199 in the sixth round. He was a guy that nobody saw anything out of, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Cause I do think with, with these kind of successful people, especially, I mean, Brady, we're going to see if Mac can turn into a really successful QB with Brady that hurt him deeply. Um, and, you know, say whatever you want. It's just, everyone can relate to that, that feeling of being unwanted, that feeling of being doubted and completely cast aside. I know I can certainly relate to it in certain ways. Um, and for him, you know, he slipped from, I don't know, maybe maybe at the time he would have been a, a decent second or third round pick. I mean, to the sixth round. You know, you, you can't blame him for not, for people not taking him in the first round, just for all of everything that went around with his situation. But to go to the, to go all the way to the, you know, the third round, it, it is a bit um, rough. You know, it's uh, it's rough from a lot of angles.
Um, and it definitely wasn't where he was meant to be in the draft, but I guess, I guess knowing what we know now, it obviously wasn't where he was meant to be. I think he had a lot of hidden talent and hidden things inside him that people didn't know. And I think part of that coming out, honestly, has to do with him being doubted. I'm not sure, you know, if he had gotten the red carpet treatment out of college, I don't know if he would be the quarterback today. And I think he said things similarly to that's something if you ever hear him talk, keep that in mind if he might make a comment like that of there were pivotal moments for him that kind of led him to a path of trying to prove everybody wrong over and over and over. And without that, you know, fictional enemy in front of him that he could continue to go against, I don't think he's able to get to seven Super Bowls. I mean, it's still insane to me. I remember the signs in Foxborough, Brady's last year, the, um, I don't know what exactly they said, but a lot of them had seven in it. You know, we want seven. And I remember thinking at the time how unachievable, how insane that number is. And 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 I, I couldn't imagine him getting a seventh with the Patriots at the time. I couldn't imagine it. As much as as much awesomeness had gone on, and the Rams and everything, I just I just thought to myself, I don't I don't know if 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 we'll get a seventh. And by we, I meant the Patriots. You know, and that ended up being a true thought. Um, but I didn't expect him to get one with the Buccaneers, you know. But um, it's just, I think that's something to keep in mind, too. There's a lot of parallels between Brady and Mac, but we have to remember that Mac was a first-round pick. He was widely acknowledged as a first-round pick. Brady came out of nowhere. Like, that's different. It is different to come from complete obscurity you know, and then jump off into this situation and just, you know, go crazy and, you know, play well, play out of his head and then play into form into one of the best QBs in the league and then into, you know, the greatest quarterback of NFL history as time went on and he just continually was able to improve his game to a point um, of absolute insanity and then even now, when his physical skills have diminished a little bit, still being able to continue on and be good enough, you know, be good enough to to run a top offense, run a top team, and hold everything together. And uh, from a leadership aspect as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I don't think I'm ready to say that Mac Jones in his first year is better than Brady was in his first year. I don't think I'm ready to say that. I definitely think if you compare the play side by side, you know, Mac has, he's produced better quarterback play in his first year than Brady has. But I think when you contextualize it within what everybody else around those players were doing, I don't think, then I think it starts to actually become a competition where you have to look and go, so Brady was coming from legitimate obscurity and was able to do this, was able to bear this pressure, this load, all the way into the Super Bowl through a victory. Um, and then, you know, and then, and then carry that through on into his career and just kept going. Mac Jones has had as good of a start as any QB in the league in terms of looking the part, looking like he belongs. And we're going to see, you know, if, 
if Mac, I mean, this sounds crazy. If Mac and the Patriots go to the Super Bowl and win it this year, maybe, maybe I, I do, you know, think about this a little bit more deeply. Or he doesn't even have to win a Super Bowl, but if he can, if he can get to a more progressed point in his game, more than he even is now, which has already shown great improvement, um, then maybe he can upstage, you know, Brady's first year. But it's just. It's an almost impossible task. And this is the other crazy thing about Mac. The fact that he's been able to withstand all this Tom Brady comparisons at the same time. You know, it's it's hard. He's trying to make his own legacy, and it's it's tough that he's always going to be tied to Brady in, in these certain ways. Um, because I think it's, it's – I mean, who wants to be parasailing, you know, in the, in the goat's shadow? Nobody. Nobody wants that, and and it's the the really sad thing, I guess. Just to just to say this, even early in his career, is unless he can win, you know, three four Super Bowls, he's not even going to get compared to Brady, which which maybe is unfair, you know, or maybe will be unfair, depending on how things go in the future. Um, but this is, you know, it's a results oriented game, and. If the Patriots have another 20-year, you know, reign of dominance, it's hard to because I think a lot, a lot of stuff goes back to Belichick. You know, the the better Bill does, it's sort of like these these legacies. You know, we we all know it's a product of everyone working together. But when certain people separate and they do well, you know, when Brady leaves and wins the Super Bowl, that kind of takes away from Bill's legacy. And if Bill keeps doing well, that's going to take away from Tom's in some way. And I think as a fan and as a spectator, I don't ever want to be in that mindset of one man's accomplishments is taking away from another. You know, I think you have to view it as shared responsibility and not get into that trap to begin with, to think that it's just one person. Um, but I think this is kind of how I think the larger fandom interprets it, interprets it more that way of legacies subtracting from other legacies. Um, so to answer the original question of this video, no. I do not think Mac Jones is playing better right now than Brady was in his first year. But I think he has the chance to put a year together that rivals that first year. And I think Mac is a great quarterback, and I can't wait to see how he moves on, how he progresses, and how he deals with adversity and challenges that, um, that are presented to him in the future. So anyways, guys, this has been the Josh Thoughts official sports podcast, episode 10. Um, I hope everyone listening can find a little bit of peace today. And I will see you guys later.